in today's episode. Full NFL Week 1 recap. That is right. There is going to be football every Sunday from now till February. Some debuts happen. Tom Brady in Tampa. Cam in New England. And how about those Cleveland Browns continuing to live by their name that I give them, the Clowns. And also, how about them Cowboys finding another way to lose? <laughs> Let's get into it. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Sports Talk from the Crib. I'm your host, Tan Christian. Man, we had some good football yesterday. It feels good to have Sunday actually back dedicated to football. (laughs) Some great games. We had some players making some debuts. Like we said, Tom Brady making his debut in Tampa. Cam in New England. DeAndre Hopkins there in Arizona. How did that come out? And what I got out of every game yesterday was basically this. The same old problems. It's the same old problems that teams had last year and have had for years. And some of them are good problems that the teams that you expect to win the game happen. But this just, just, that was my biggest takeaway. Nothing new, nothing, you know, extraordinary. Just that the outcomes of the games is what I thought. Is what we expect from these teams. Now I'm going to hop right into it. The first one I want to get into are those Cleveland clowns, Cleveland Brown fans, same thing, different year, horrible play, got blown out by Baltimore Ravens by a final of 38 to six blown out. Now Baker Mayfield's first, first drive. Guess what happens? Interception. The same old Cleveland Browns, you guys. They're the same team. They look good on paper. They should be better. Hey, they got rid of the head coach, brought another head coach in, and it's still just not working. Baker Mayfield still can't get on the same page as OBJ. For some reason, the offense just stalls out, and the overall morale of that team is just not there. But I'm going to start with the head coach, Kevin Stefanski. This is his debut head coaching here for Cleveland. Last year, he was offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. They had a 23rd overall ranking last year. It was 23rd. So, you brought this guy in thinking you can change, you know, Baker Mayfield, this offense with Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt, OBJ, Nick Chubb, David Ajoku. Like, it looks so good on paper still, but it's just not happening. You're 23rd overall. Remember last year? He was offensive coordinator there, okay? Remember last year, Kirk Cousins and Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen were never on the same page. There's a lot of turmoil and all this stuff about the passing game. Now, Cleveland wanted him before, and now they finally got him in there, that coach. It's not going to be the answer there, Cleveland. This is what happens when you have people in organization that want certain people to be the you know, head coach, players, whatever the GM in the booth, whatever they want to do. And this is going to be your outcome every time. Now, that being said, Baker Mayfield did play awful, especially when your first drive is an interception. 
They even had one possession there where it was third and 41. That is nothing but Cleveland clown football, guys. Third and 41. Baker Mayfield on the day was 21 of 39 for 189 yards. He did have one touchdown, of course, the one pick. But there he is again, upwards of 40 pass attempts and can't break the 200-yard mark. OBJ had three catches, 22 yards, and was targeted 10 times. For some reason, these two just cannot get on the same page and elevate themselves. What happened to the OBJ in New York? He has not arrived yet in Cleveland. They sent him there. Everybody knows you go to Cleveland, your career is over. They send you to Cleveland to die. And at first, I thought it was possible that he and Jarvis Landy were going to turn this around. And they drafted Baker Mayfield. I wasn't too hyped up on him. I was like, hey, he's going to be a decent quarterback, possibly in the league. And right now, he's looking at a complete bust. Number one overall pick has not lived up to his expectations. When you have Lamar Jackson, you know, on the other side there, MVP. And then he goes in this game again, 20 of 25, 275 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And the scariest thing about him is this, he's just going to keep improving. And that is going to be a very scary thing for the league. If he gets the passing game down, it's over. It's a wrap. But there he is. And there was even one point late there in the first half where he had a 99-yard drive. Five for five, 75 yards. And the rookie, J.K. Dobbins, they drafted that Ohio State, the runner back there, finished it off with a one-yard run. So that goes to tell you that Cleveland, again, They let up a 99-yard drive. It's just this team cannot dig themselves out of a hole for some reason. On paper, it looks good, but on the field, it is trash. Straight-up garbage. Baker Mayfield, if he has to improve himself this year, this is the year he has to go out there and ball out or else he's going to be labeled as the biggest, one of the biggest, bust in NFL draft history. Because you have to show the people what you got. You got all the weapons around you. You got two outstanding running backs. You got two great wide receivers. You got a great tight end. Or maybe we're all overrated. Maybe we're all mis, you know, construed about this whole thing about the talent on that team. Maybe they are actually all overrated. Maybe they are. Because this team right now is so the same old problem that has happened to Cleveland Browns over the course of last year, the previous year, the whole decade, and decades. Put an S at the end of that. This is just how they are. It's how they function. They are not going to ever put another winning product out on the field. Unless... A drastic change is done, like the owner selling the team. That is the only way Cleveland will ever become relevant again. Now, one of the other games I want to get into is the Cardinals and Niners. And the reason why, because DeAndre Hopkins made his debut there for Arizona and showed Kyler Murray that he's going to be a weapon of the future, the security blanket for this young kid. 
DeAndre Hopkins is that dude. <laughs> Kyler Murray is going to love him. 26 of 40 for 230 yards. Kyler Murray fans with one touchdown, one pick. He also had 13 carries for 91 yards and a touchdown. Now, DeAndre Hopkins, out of those 230 yards Kyler Murray passed for, Hopkins had 153 of them on 14 catches and 16 targets. So the question I have is, Bill O'Brien, do you miss DeAndre Hopkins yet? Because you didn't look too good last Thursday night getting blown out by the Chiefs. So I just want to know if you are okay seeing DeAndre Hopkins go out there and ball out like that and seeing Kyler Murray that have that security blanket that Deshaun Washington doesn't have anymore. That's why I wanted to bring that up, guys. That, I mean, that is the, like, for a young quarterback to get that kind of a weapon, a wide receiver, a guy who goes up and catches everything, who can line up on either side of the field, who can line up outside, in the slot, run any pattern you want, and come out with a win. This is going to be great in the NFC West this year, guys. It's going to be a battle. Arizona's, I think, are going to surprise some people. And Niners, they could be possibly have that little Super Bowl little layoff there. A little hangover. The Seattle Seahawks are going to be great. The Rams are going to be decent too. So this is going to be an interesting division to see how it kind of unravels as the season goes on. But Arizona, I believe, is going to make some noise. I am not going to count them out. Because anytime you add one of the best wide receivers in the league, that is something to be said. And he wants to prove his point. He's going to prove his point. He signed the big deal. Asian D-Hop, as he calls himself now, negotiated his own deal. Got his money. Went out there and performed. You don't see that from a lot of guys either. Kept his word. He's like, not you pay me the money I deserve. I'm going to go out there and prove to you that I am the best guy out there on the field. And he did that week one against the divisional rival, the new his, his new divisional rival, the 49ers. So we're going to see what happens. This is going to be an exciting division, one to keep your eyes on as the season goes on. And I'm excited about it. I just want to see how Kyler Murray's development comes with having him there. Of course, he's still got Larry Fitzgerald. So you got two savvy veterans that can bail you out at any time and point during the game. And that's his. Can you, what more can you ask for? They're on the right track. Week one, victory, 24-20 over the Niners. So let's get into that hype. Let's get into the hype now about those Bucks versus the Saints. TB12, all the talk, all the bandwagon fans going on. Number one selling jersey. Everybody's a Bucks fan now. And they lose. By a final score of 23-34. to and Tom Brady's debut for the Bucks was not a good one. Struggled at times. Yeah, he was out there looking a little bit old, you guys. He's looking a little old on those throws. He finished the game 23 of 36, 239 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. One of them was returned for a touchdown. He threw a pick six there, and he was sacked three times. And the biggest thing I had for them was I thought Mike Evans was going to be the guy. I thought Grunk was going to be back there in shape doing his thing. They both combined for the game of three receptions? That was it? Mike Evans had him with that one catch for two yards for the touchdown. Grunk only had two catches for 11 yards. 
So is this a typical thing that you just got to get in the groove a little bit? Is it too early to panic for him? Is Tom Brady really going to hit the cliff finally? Where he's just so old and can't get the ball down the field. The strength is not there physically. Is it finally time? But obviously, we don't want to get it too ahead of ourselves. Because every time we count, count, count out Tom Brady, he seems to come back. Drew Brees is on the other side the same way. Drew Brees is getting up there in ace. He finished the game 18 of 30, 160 yards, two touchdowns. So it wasn't a big statistical game from either side. But the Saints do come out with a big win in the division. You know, it's not going to be as easy as the AFC East was there for all those years in Tom Brady. You don't have a mediocre Miami, mediocre Buffalo, (laughs) mediocre New York Jet team anymore. You know, that was kind of running the easy division for him. Now you got to face Drew Brees and the Saints. And that defense is still underrated. I love Marshawn Lattimore. I think he plays outstanding. And Cam Jordan coming off the edge. They're this. I love that defense. They showed it again yesterday. They ain't going to take anything lightly. And that's what I love about them. But in the division, Carolina is probably the only weak team. They're, they were in full rebuild mode. They were new coach, Teddy Bridgewater. Even though they played well yesterday, too, in the loss to the Las Vegas Raiders. But you also have Matt Ryan and Julio Jones there in Atlanta. So it, there's going to be some uh, tough battles here for Tom Brady in the NFC South and the NFC in general. But it's just one game. It's not getting too carried away. They did have nine penalties for over 100 yards and three turnovers. And that was one of the things they wanted to eliminate. That's why they let Jameis Winston walk. They were tired of the t- interceptions. They return for touchdowns, and guess what happened? This game, too. Same old problems, just a different quarterback. He threw a couple of interceptions, and one of them was to the other team for a touchdown. So the same thing happened to the Tampa Bay Bucks. The trend just keeps going. Every week one game seemed to just be the same old problem as in years past with these NFL teams. And it could be this because of the layoff. There's no really practices. There's no real definite camp where everybody can get on the same page. So we may not see actual, you know, real good football to about midway point. And we, then we could really diagnose if who's really good and who's really not. But TB12 did not really perform well. And his counterpart, the New England Patriots, did. Bill Belichick over there, they won 21-11 against Miami Dolphins. Cam Newton in his debut, 15-19, of 155 yards. He has 75 rushing yards and two touchdowns. So there's Cam Newton's debut. Did pretty well. Yes, it was against Miami. They're still kind of just trucking along, getting better, rebuilding. And that was a... Bill Belichick is now one up on Tom Brady. Tom Brady, 0-1. You know, that's going to be the biggest comparison this year. You got to have who is going to come out on top between now and the end of the year in terms of Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots. Because if Bill Belichick wins more games than Tampa Bay, with Cam Newton as his quarterback over Tom Brady, and Tom Brady has all the weapons there in Tampa. Cam doesn't have any weapons in 
New England. So <laughs> that's a fascinating thing to think about is who is going to come out on top in year's end. Because Tom Brady and Mike Evans need to get on the same page. Chris Godwin, you got Grunk. O.J. Howard, he caught one of the other touchdown passes during the game. Cameron Bray. So they have three great tight ends. Those are three great tight ends. You sign Leonard Fournette. There to be a running back. He got in the game a few. He had a few carries. Jones got the bulk of them. But as soon as everybody gets involved in this offense of Bruce Arians runs there with Byron Leftwich as the coordinator, I think when they all try to get in sync and on the same page, I still believe this offense can be one of the best in the league. It didn't really show it yesterday, but I don't see them playing like this every damn game. There's no way with all those weapons. And Tom Brady, the biggest thing is getting the ball down the field. His arm strength is lacking. You could definitely tell that in the first game. His arm strength really wasn't there in a lot of the throws. But when they get all in sync, I think it could still be a little bit scary. Because I don't want to go out there and doubt Tom Brady week one. Because it's just week one. And there's 15 more games to go. So I don't want to say nothing bad about him yet. I don't want to say he struggled, yes. But I'm not saying anything bad about him yet because I'm afraid if I do, he's going to come out next game and throw about 400 yards. Mike Gavins probably have 120 receiving yards, a couple of touchdowns and all this. And I'm afraid to say it. But the Tom Brady-Drew Brees battle, they're going to meet again later in the year. That's the one thing I think is great to see because they're going to be battling out. With all those records, they're all like one and two passing yards, touchdowns, you know, all this stats is just going to be through the roof. So who's going to end up at the end of the year in most, you know, in one or two? That's an interesting thing too about uh, Tom Brady and Drew Brees. There's another one. Who's going to come out as number one or number two by the end of the year and in the division and in the record books? So time will tell. We'll see what happens. But hey. Pats, you know, Bill Belichick, 1-0, Brady, 0-1. Okay, now I want to get into the Sunday night primetime game with Cowboys versus the Rams. Rams opening up that new stadium with no fans and possibly the ugliest uniforms that an NFL team has ever worn. But they still come out with a victory, 20-17 over the Cowboys because, you know, the Dallas Cowboys just have to find a way to lose every single time. And it was this in classic Cowboy form. So, how about them Cowboys? <laughs> how about them Cowboys? Again, losing the primetime game. Oh my goodness, here's some stuff. The Dak, you know, he finished 25 of 39, 266 and a touchdown. Zeke had 22 carries, 96 yards, a touchdown. Amari Cooper out there getting no yak, but he got 10 receptions for 81 yards. C.D. Land, the rookie, five catches, 59 yards in his debut. I think I still think that kid could possibly be a DeAndre Hopkins-esque-like dude, but when you're in Dallas, I don't know, because one of the things that happened during this game, it was 20 to 17 in the fourth quarter. Okay, 20 to 17, beginning of the fourth quarter, just over 11 minutes. 
left to go. They're uh, they're in the fourth quarter, and the Cowboys are driving. They're down near the ten yard line. They're in the red zone. They could have kicked the field goal, tied the game up, but they elected to go for it. Mike McCarthy over there, I'm an offensive genius. I used to have Aaron Rodgers as my quarterback. But listen, Aaron Rodgers is no Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is no Aaron Rodgers. They're completely different quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers is light years ahead of him. But he ran a route. CeeDee Lamb ran a route for two yards and needed three. It was completed on fourth and three for two yards. Inside a 10-yard line. You got all that field, throw it in the end zone, throw it over, like at least run a drag route past the yard marker. And it didn't happen. First off, why are you going for it on fourth and three there? Kick the field goal, tie the game. It makes it a lot easier on your play calling, a lot easier on your players, you know, as the game goes on. And that was a crucial play call in a crucial moment of the game. But it didn't stop there, of course, you guys. It did not stop there. There was a late game pass interference that was called on Michael Gallup when he was battling there with Jalen Ramsey. They completed a 47-yard pass with just 21 seconds left. And it was called on Michael Gallup. Offensive pass interference for extending the arm on Jalen Ramsey. Now, Jalen Ramsey actually kind of flop and a little bit. Yeah, he overreacted a little bit. But you did push off. And that's why you got that tiny little bit of separation to bring that pass in. Anybody knows it, all the cornerbacks will tell you, hey, that little bit there will cost you a split second where you can't recover. And that's what happened. And called down Michael Gallup. Obviously gets pulled back. It's fourth down now. Now, the only thing I hated about that play, it was a play-action play. It was third and 10. What are you doing calling a play-action play at the, from your own 30-yard line? You know, and calling a play-action play. With 30 seconds left to go in the game. Now, you know damn well they're not going to hand the ball off, for one. They're going to try to chuck and get some big yardage. So why are you running a, why are you running a fake? Oh, we thought it was just a Jason Garrett problem. Oh, we thought it was just... That's the problem we thought it was. But the same old problem again, ladies and gentlemen, happens for the Cowboys in late-game situations, third downs, fourth downs. They can just never complete them. They find a way to lose the game. It's like it's just in their DNA. It is in the Dallas Cowboy DNA to make the game exciting, to make it look like they're going to pull out at the end, to make it look like they're going to be that team on paper that looks like a Super Bowl caliber team, that looks like an NFC East championship team. It just, and it just all unfolds. It all unfolds to how about them Cowboys? Losing again, a close one. So I put a lot of blame on Mike McCarthy, honestly, because those were some bogus calls that he was doing there. I don't know, like, Kellen Moore is still the offense coordinator. It's the one to keep him on. And seeing Mike McCarthy out there, like, it was just the same old problem. What are you doing with some of those play calls? It makes absolutely no sense. You have the weapons. You got Amari Cooper. There's no reason why Amari Cooper has 
you know, 10 catches for 81 yards. How he's averaging eight yards a catch. No excuse. CeeDee Lamb knows no excuse for you. I know you're a rookie, but no excuse for you to stop short of that line marker there on a two-yard pattern. You only had to get three yards. All you had to do was run three yards out, come across the field, and get it. The ball wasn't perfect. He couldn't really catch it in stride, but that's beyond the point, you know? And it's just the same old Cowboys, man. I love it, actually. It makes for entertainment. It is so entertaining this to watch them fall. Week in, week out, near the playoffs. They look like they're going to make the playoffs, and they look like they're going to win the division. They look like they make a playoff run. They look like all of that every year. And every year, it comes down to moments like this. Losing by a field goal, 17-20 to 20 against the Rams, and they're ugly. Ugly uniforms. Man, those are the worst uniforms in the league. Whoever designed that, I can't get enough. I feel I feel for you, Eric Dickerson, and all you greats that wore that classic Ram uniform. You haven't seen that on the field. I don't even know what color that was. That was like grayish color with the freaking I mean, I don't I don't want to get into it. This is it's abysmal. But anyways. <laughs> The damn Dallas Cowboys did it again, losing in dramatic fashion. And that's going to do it for today's show, guys. I want to thank you all for joining me here on Sports Talk from the crib with your host, Tanner Christian. Man, what was an exciting football Sunday. More tonight, of course, Monday Night Football. If you enjoy the show, I got to buy me a coffee. Link, you can buy me a coffee and show your support on the official website there, affiliateheatent.com. Feel the Heat Entertainment. Also, check out the official Instagram there at Feel the Heat ENT. I appreciate the love y'all show. Don't worry, guys. Back tomorrow with some more sports talk from the crib. I'll see you then. Peace out.